Hello and welcome back to another episode of the New Generation Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Tanner Mondock. And I'm your other host, Janae Avery. And joining us in studio this week, we have a local theater legend, Maria Ackley. Maria, thank you for coming in. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm fine. I'm having a really good day today, so I think this is going to be a pretty good interview. Yes, perfect day to do a podcast with you. So we have a lot to get into with you um, from uh, you know your upcoming show that you're directing, Bus Stop, uh, yes. what, coming up in, in May. May, May 19th. Um, and then also just the history of local theater around here. And who better to tell that story than you? But well, I have been around a long time. Yes. No, hey. That's why we have you here. So it's called New Generation, but I'm the old generation. <laughs> Tanner, that's how this all started. I was writing my bio for the program mm-hmm. for Bus Stop. Yep. And I started to think about all the things that I have done and all of the community theater that came before. And I couldn't think of all of them. So I went back and looked through some of my old programs. And it was amazing to me some of the theaters that I had been involved in that I didn't even remember Mm -hmm. because now with the new performing arts center in Sharon and black sheet players that are now on the stage of the old Playhouse 600 not far from the Sacred Heart Church Mm -hmm. that they bought and remodeled into a beautiful stage yeah there have been many things before that and I started to think well we are we have built on the shoulders of all those other community productions that came before. So I started to think of a little history in my head. Uh, I remember I was in high school with a young woman whose parents were very involved in Playhouse 600. Now I can't speak to much before the middle 60s even because I was too young. Hmm. But in high school in the 70s, because I knew her and I knew that her parents worked at the stage at Playhouse 600, which was in the First Presbyterian Church basement. I used to hang around down there with her. And I got, I really loved it, and I got to see backstage how they put a production together. And it was fascinating to me. Playhouse 600 at one time, they were very active in the 60s and early 70s, had over 200 patrons and ticket buyers on a, on a, on a re- uh, regular basis mm-hmm. for, their, for their shows. They did really good plays and that's how I learned a lot about stagecraft from them and uh, then a friend of mine well what happened the economy and people just aging out of Playhouse 600 and because of economical times I think things sort of dwindled and Playhouse 600 stopped performing they were composed of a lot of uh shop owners, professionals in the valley, and teachers. Hmm. And they all got together because they wanted to do plays. When they started to wane, there was a group in the valley called the Valley Arts Guild, and they were a group of writers and uh, artists, uh, graphic artists, and they were headed up by a woman named uh, Tony Ryan, Antoinette Ryan. And when she saw that Playhouse 600 we're not going to do plays anymore. She decided she wanted to continue the legacy. So she and a few other of the members of the Valley Arts Guild met with the people at Penn State Shenango campus. They had a meeting with the business director back in the day and he said that they could use the stage. So we contracted, they contracted. I was a member, but they did all the legwork 
to use the stage at Penn State. And that's how Shenango Playhouse was born. Even before Shenango Playhouse, a friend of mine named David Harry had a little group called the the Shenango Artists Theater. Mm -hmm. So there were a lot of things happening back then. When David moved away, that's when the Arts Guild took over and they met at Penn State, as I said, and they decided to, uh, I guess they chose a local actor at the time, Larry Latsko. He was living in our community and Larry was an equity actor. He had been doing professional theater all across the state of Pennsylvania. And Larry became the artistic director of the Shenango Playhouse. When it was Shenango Artist Theater, they did some really cool stuff. They did Come Blow Your Horn. They did a Thurber Carnival. I was actually in a very unknown play called What a Spot mm-hmm. <laughs> back in the day. When, when Larry took over the Shenango Playhouse, we had so many people involved in that. Uh, I worked with the late Don Struck, who did all of the musicals over at when uh, – the Performing Arts Center now, AXE, mm-hmm. was the area community theater of Sharpsville. Don and I worked together. Larry and I worked together. And i you would not believe the things we did. We did so many shows there. We did The Red Shoes, if anyone's interested in plays, Absence of a Cello, The Clock Struck Twelve, Miss Reardon Drinks a Little, Pennywise, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, the Glass Menagerie, Crimes of the Heart, and Talking With. And those were all produced on the stage at Penn State in the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. And we had people to come and audition for those shows in herds. Nowadays, not so much. But back then, it was very viable. It was a really viable venue, and people were really interested in it. At the same time, Am I talking too much? No, you're fine. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm kind of going on and on. Well, I was going to um, go ahead and ask you, you know, based off of all the information that you just told us, you know, theater has been deeply rooted into this community. Very much. So why do you think it has been able to thrive throughout the years? Because it has deep roots and, and far-reaching roots here. When community theaters first started at the turn of the century, they, they uh, rose up out of people Uh, diverse communities that wanted to produce plays Mm -hmm. and all of those people there take it takes many kinds of craftspeople to put on a play Mm -hmm. Janae so they would have people that were carpenters and people that were writers and people that were artists all come together and that was back at the turn of the century and they sprung up in bigger cities and then it it's it kind of migrated to the smaller communities. And we were one of those communities Mm -hmm. because we are a melting pot of so many different ethnicities here in the valley because of the mills and just because of our location on the river. So people decided, as they did at Playhouse 600, we want to produce plays and musicals. So I think the interest just sprung up from all of these different interests of the people that lived here and they said we just want to continue this kind of this kind of legacy and that I think that's what happened and we still to this day as you can see by all of this timeline of the different community theaters that 
that that came about. Community uh, is the is the key word, mm-hmm. and I think that's why it's important. You can look at any professional theater mission statement, any community theater mission statement, and they're the same. So we're not that far unrelated to what's happening in the professional community. Hmm. There's a lot of the themes are the same. We want to involve a community. We want to tell stories. Mm -hmm. Storytelling is a big part of it. And we want to make people think. Mm -hmm. And we want to talk about the social changes. And guess what? Plays do all of that. Right. Right, So I think the community realized that's what we need to do to continue. And so, you know, we mentioned earlier on in the show that you're directing uh, Bus Stop coming up in May. Um, And you mentioned that this is going to be the first non-musical in basically a very long time or ever, right? Well, they I did seven, uh, seven plays Mm -hmm. when Axe was it in Sharpsville at the Pierce Opera House. They always did their musicals. It was their strong suit and they loved them and they had a great director. Yeah, they I I love plays. Mm -hmm. And I would always do the play for them. And I think Bus Stop will be my seventh. Okay. Uh, when they opened at their new venue, they've done a review. They did a, a premiere mm-hmm. of review of all of their shows. And they were kind enough to ask me to even, uh, they recorded a little segment with me because I had done their plays. And then they did Carousel, which just ended. Right. Uh, Rogers and Hammerstein from the 1940s. Bus Stop will be the first play on the big stage, and it was from the 50s, uh, a very interesting time for me. It was supposed to be produced during COVID, and I had actually cast the show, and then COVID hit. Mm. And of course, you know what happened. Right, yep. So when Anita Perman from the board called me and said, would you like to come back and direct it, of course I would. It's one of my favorite plays. So it will be the first play on the stage, fingers crossed. Yeah, well that's exciting. (laughs) All of the publicity is gonna really start coming, you know, coming out now. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of people know the play based on the movie, but honestly, (laughs) if you watch the movie and expect that, you, you, if you think you're going to see that, you will not. It really diverges from uh, William Inge's play, mm-hmm. but uh, it was a vehicle for Marilyn Monroe and the, you know, so. But come and see our show, which <laughs> is truthful to the William Inge uh, script based in 1955. It was also, uh, it was nominated for four Tony Awards and on Broadway, and it ran an unprecedented over 400 performances back in the 50s. That was. Mm. That was really a, a milestone. Yeah. So I do have another um, question for you. But before I get to that question, we do have to take a brief break for our uh, for our ads real quick. So let's just put that in there uh, right here. I was, I was probably just going to insert it. Okay. So you could just say, we'll take a brief break. All right. Yeah, you yeah. can just cut all that out okay. then. Right. Um, let's see. So when you're considering doing another production, whether it's, you know, bus stop or you know some other show you know what what are you looking for exactly you know like what attracts you to directing a certain uh well i the i started black sheep players also Mm -hmm. about seven years ago because i wanted to do more plays 
I loved the springboard of doing the show for acts, of course, but I also wanted to do more plays. And I did have to think about that, Tanner. What mm-hmm. what would appeal to the public? What would appeal to the audience? Because if you don't have your audience, you're missing a, a huge component of what a play is there for. Right, yeah. I'm drawn to shows that are smaller in number of characters. Mm-hmm. Of course, you want to do a name that is recognizable to people, but you want to intersperse it with shows that might not be as recognizable because my whole thing is to advocate for community theater. Mm-hmm. I'm, that's, my, that's really what I love to do, and I'm, that's what I've done for so long. So I want to appeal to a, a large group of people, but also it's, it's, a, it's, it, you, it's a variety. So you want plays that maybe aren't so well-known to educate people. These are out there. Mm -hmm. And good characters and a good story. Mm. I'm very drawn to uh, mid-century writers, playwrights. Uh, William Inge, who I'm doing for Bus Stop, Arthur Miller, and... uh, And, uh, of course, Tennessee Williams. I love those. They're the staple. They're staples. And you want to mix it up. You want to do some current shows, too. And I think that we have a nice mix of those. I, I've done, I've produced 13 plays already for Black Sheep. Okay. Wow. wow. Yeah. What, and you just said you started it seven years ago, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. And I think another key is to get different directors. Right, yeah. That really helps because you get a different point of view uh-huh. from different directors, and it also gives people a chance to spread their wings if they want to direct. Mm-hmm. So we have that we have that ability to do over at Black Sheep mm-hmm. because, um, well, I kind of am in charge over there. We are under random acts of artists, though. Mm-hmm. We're their theater wing. Yeah. And so I can collaborate with whomever. And if they like a show, too, and it sounds you know, like it would be great to do, then we'll do it. Collaboration is really very important. Yeah. Yeah. And just... From your perspective, you've been in the theater industry since the 50s. So how have you seen theater kind of evolve and change over the years? Like what what are some things that you like that have been changed? And what are some things that you may not like that have changed over the years? I was still a little girl in the 50s, but that oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, early 70s, okay. I think. Late 60s, early 70s. I think the reason... I don't think there has been a lot of change. I think that's what makes it last. Mm-hmm. A good a good play, good storytelling. There have been there has seemed to be uh, not as many people in our area uh, auditioning anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that's because the culture has changed so much with virtual things, right. the computer, and just how we relate to people now. Uh, COVID put a big crimp in things. But then there's the Youngstown Playhouse, which I love. Hmm. 100-year anniversary coming up. Wow. And they've, they have something going on right over there. Mm-hmm. And I think it is. It's, it's collaboration. But I believe that that's happened across the board. Broadway's had their, had their you know, problems over the years mm-hmm. with uh, people not coming to shows. There is... I can't really speak a lot for Broadway, but I've noticed a change in what they're doing. There's a lot of Disney. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of musicals that appeal to 
a younger demographic. You do have to keep current. Mm -hmm. And because uh, our world now has changed so much, it's gotten so smaller because we can connect so many people, it's really gotten better in a way too. So a lot of those things have stayed the same, but then they've changed. We have, we have access to so much more now. And I think Broadway's fearless. They're going to do continue to do new things. I will say that's one of the things that is on my bucket list. I've always wanted to go to Broadway and see a show. I've yep. never done it yet, but that's definitely on my bucket list to see a show. I've I've heard The Lion King is amazing. It is, and I think that those are those shows are great, and they and they they need revenue, mm-hmm. you know, to keep going. And I think I go when I go. Uh, I always choose plays, so I don't really see many of the musicals. Mm-hmm. I've seen a few, but if I see someone like Al Pacino in a in a revival, or uh, my favorite Michael Shannon, whom I've seen about four times on Broadway, oh, yeah. <laughs> in a show, I'll go. But then you know, I love the musicals too. Yeah. But I, that's just not my thing. Right. I would rather direct a play, and I I love right. them. There's so many to do. So we'll see how I'm thinking about doing. Um, I don't want to give it away, but uh, Black Sheep is thinking about doing Crimes of the Heart okay. by Beth Henley, which is a nice show. So we'll see how it goes. Okay. So, yeah, that might be coming up on the horizon then. Yes. Um, so, do you have a favorite, you know, of all time? If you had to pick a play, musical? Wow. I know it's a tough, it's like when someone asks you their, your favorite movie or yeah. whatever, you know, it's tough, but. Maybe a top five if that yeah. makes it easier. Well, something I'll, that comes to mind. Yeah, I'll tell you. It would be, I, I guess I would have to just think of playwrights because okay, their yeah. works, I, it would be hard to pick one work from one playwright. Mm-hmm. But Tennessee Williams, David Mamet, I think, definitely William Inge, who is very underrated. Mm-hmm. A lot of his shows are not done. He was called the playwright of the Midwest at one time. He had four successful shows on Broadway, but then they tanked because there was a newspaper strike. You guys would be interested in this. On his fifth show, there was a newspaper strike, so no one knew it was running, and that put him in a very deep depression. So I would Hmm. say he is one of my favorites. And I also like some of the Edward Albee and some of the absurdist stuff. Uh, Those would be my top four, I think. Okay. Um, so, you know, speaking of Will- William Inge, uh, we have been talking about Bus Stop a little bit, but as we approach the end of the show here, um, you know, we mentioned it's in May and everything, but uh, do you have any yes. dates and stuff for that? Yeah, or May how 19th, people can maybe. 19th, 20th, and 21st, and then the following weekend, 730. Okay. Uh, I just put a Facebook post on uh, tickets at www. Uh, at sharpsville.org <laughs> our tickets online uh-huh. and it's uh, very true to uh, we're doing it it's very realistic show it was done in the 50s we're doing it in the 50s 50s it's a comedy and a drama at the same time okay. and we have a fabulous cast I did have 20 people audition for this show because I think of its its name recognition yeah and I, I could have cast it twice <laughs> but that was you know that's not going to happen. <laughs> we're right, doing yeah. one cast, and we're working on it now. We're in rehearsals. Gotcha. So, um, yeah, as we approach the end here, is there anything that you would like to, to add that we maybe haven't touched on yet? Come out, audiences, please buy your tickets and come out and see us. Yeah. The community theater is a is something that every community needs. It's mm-hmm. part of it's part of the arts of any community. Our community is growing. There's a whole new resurgence here. I read 
the Herald. I see what's going on. I read Facebook, and there's a lot happening around us. Mm -hmm. So I think the Performing Arts Center is going to add to that resurgence, and I'm very happy to see them there and work with them. Yeah, and I mean, if you haven't seen a show yet at this new space, oh please, make come it bust out. out. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Then you'll be back. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. The musicals, they have musicals planned. They've got uh, people, uh, Ron Senecio, one of their new directors over from Ohio. It's only 13 minutes to Ohio. Mm -hmm. So we're hoping that we can kind of bridge that gap, too. I've been over there oh, working, yeah. and they're coming over here. So we support each other. Right. All right. So I think... <laughs> so I think that'll do it this week on the New Generation Podcast. Um, Thank you for yes. having me and allowing me to ramble about community theater. It's kind of my thing. I, I love it. And I'll yeah. be doing it as long as I can. Hey, you are welcome to come back whenever you want. 50 so. years and 100 shows. So wow. <laughs> I'm yeah. keeping going. Yeah, yes. it's amazing. Yep. Well, thank you again for coming on the show thank you. this week. Uh, we are here every Saturday. You can find us at SharonHerald.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and then, of course, the New Generation Sports Report podcast that myself and our sports editor, Dan Heiner, do. That show comes out every Wednesday, and you can listen to that one um, all the same places you find this show and all the other podcast services that are out there, too. So I want to thank you again for coming on the show this week, and thank you all for listening.